Hello and welcome to episode 59 of the official EstablishedRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I'm one of the co-founders here at ETR and Draft Week is finally here at long last. So what we want to do today was conduct uh, kind of our own mock, our own mock draft. I will be playing the role of Roger Goodell, of course, without the $40 million contract, without everybody booing me from the comfort of my basement. Our GMs will be two of the most accurate mock drafters over the last fistful of years. That's Evan Silva, of course, our hero, and excited to have Scott Smith from Roto-Viz Action Network with us as well. Scott, what's going on, man? Come on, guys. I appreciate it. Evan, ready for the draft? We're four days away. Yeah, man. Better be. Better be. It's, it's coming fast, and it's the only thing that we've had to talk about for a long, long time. And what are we going to do after this? <laughs> it's going to be a sea of nothing. I guess, you know, on Sunday nights, we got the Michael Jordan documentary, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's into the deep, dark unknown, the abyss. Yeah. Well, stay tuned. We might have some some best ball options coming after the draft. So stay tuned for that. A little tease there for, for our friends in the uh, who enjoy drafting fantasy teams, as I know everybody does. But the plan basically here today is uh, we're going to uh, go through team by team in the order of the draft. And we're going to talk about uh, team needs, who we think, who these guys are going to make a pick, uh, why they think that that is a good fit for the pick, who else the team might be considering, and anything else about the team or the draft spot. And so Evan's going to take picks one, three, five, et cetera. Scott's going to take picks two, four, six, et cetera. So with that, we will enter the 2020 Establishment Room Mock Draft. The Cincinnati Bengals, owners of the number one pick with Andy Dalton, are on the clock. I cede the floor to you, Evan. Yeah, LSU quarterback Joe Burrow is going to go number one overall to Cincinnati. I think that Joe Burrow is ready to play in the NFL. I think that he's maybe the only quarterback in this draft that is ready to start uh, in week one after um, no offseason workouts and likely abbreviated training camp slash preseason. I think the Bengals can have a quick offensive turnaround with Joe Burrow at quarterback Joe Mixon returning, Tyler Boyd returning. Uh, A.J. Green back on the franchise tag, John Ross. Hopefully he can stay healthy, get 12 to 14 games out of him. Jonah Williams uh, back uh, from after missing his uh, the entirety of, of his first season uh, with uh, an injury. And then I think at number 33 overall, they can draft another offensive line. Turn this thing around quickly in the second year under Zach Taylor. Scott, I assume yeah, for, that you also have Joe Burrow going number one. Is there any case to be made for anybody else? No, I mean, I think Joe Burrow is a chalk here, especially when you start looking at the Bengals and the way they played last year. They they ranked dead last in plays of 20 yards or more, and you, you look at how Burrow moved the ball within that LSU offense, getting big chunk plays. He was very successful, you know, whenever he got forced out of pocket and moved, had to do off schedule. And I think that's everything that the Bengals need right here at the first pick. Yeah, outrageous, 5,671 yards, 60 touchdowns for Joe Burrow at LSU last year in that Joe Brady offense. All right, let's go to the number two pick. The Washington Redskins are on the clock, Scott. 
Yeah, for the Washington Redskins, I'm going with edge rusher Chase Young. I think, uh, you know, Chase Young's widely regarded as the best player in the NFL draft right now by most scouts. Um, he's a little bit less refined than what I think the both the brothers are as far as pass rush moves and being able to use their hands. But with Ron Rivera taking over as head coach, you got Jack Del Rio there at uh, the defensive coordinator. I think the Redskins making this pick can finally start to form some type of identity for their team there with the front of that defensive line, how many first round picks they have with uh, Payne and Allen and uh, Ioannidis has actually been very good at defensive tackle as well. And it also allows them to transition away from Ryan Kerrigan, who's probably going to be a free agent and lead the team next year. So I, I think uh, Chase Young's the easy chalk here, just like Joe Burrow. Yeah. I mean, Redskins did a horrible job of keeping this under wraps. They essentially have said for the last few weeks that they're taking Chase Young. Evan, do you have any disagreement with the Redskins' decision, which seems like obvious right now they're going to take Chase Young? Nope. I think it's an excellent pick. All right. Now it starts to get interesting. Number three, the Detroit Lions are on the clock. And um, it seems like they may want to trade down, but if they stay, people don't even know who they're going to take. So I'll cede the floor to you, Evan. Detroit Lions, number three spot. Yeah, I definitely think that they should explore trading down. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not sure that the, the thirst for the quarterback position is going to end up being there. The Giants did put out a completely laughable uh, report using, you know, the uh, uh, like an, essentially an NFL mouthpiece to uh, spread word that they might take Justin Herbert at number four. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going to be able to see through that. I, I just I think that that's the Giants knowing that there is potentially no market for their pick and trying to drum up some interest and everybody just kind of laughed at it because we know that it's not going to happen. But for the lions at number three, I have them taking Derek Brown. Um, I think that, you know, Jeff Okuda appears at number three in virtually any mock draft that you see in these mock draft competitions. Like I think that one way of getting a, a little bit of a leg up on the field, just because I know that Jeff Okuda is going to be there like 80, 90% of mock drafts. Um, I'm going to try to be a little contrarian go with Derek Brown. And I don't think it is really that contrarian. I think that people inside the NFL absolutely love Derek Brown. I think that the Lions are better at cornerback right now than they are at defensive tackle. They have the worst defensive line, in the worst uh, interior defensive line in the league right now. Their, their best defensive tackle is Danny Shelton, who they signed um, in free agency to like a one-year deal that's worth, you know, at max, like three and a half million. So um, I have them taking Derek Brown. He's drawn some Indomitian Sioux comparisons uh, and I also like him as a, a long shot bet um, around like 10 to 1 or, or anything longer than that um, to be the number three overall pick. Yeah, Lions were 28th in rush defense DVOA last year. Curious Scott who, who you would have the Lions taking? Yeah I actually agree with Derek Brown and uh, Evan and I both uh, mentioned this and uh, our draft prop show that we did together. Look, if you look at, at what they have there at defensive tackle behind Danny Shelton, who pretty much washed out with with Cleveland and then kind of played a little bit there in, in, in New England, there's three undrafted college free agents that that are sitting there behind Danny Shelton. So they definitely need somebody there at defensive line. They, you know, they were 29th against the pass per football outsiders DVOA. And, it, you know, they ranked 31st as far as sacks. They could not get any pressure up the middle. So I think uh, Derek Brown makes a lot of sense right here and is definitely the contrary in play to over Jeffrey Okuda. All right. Number four, the New York Giants are on the clock. We're going to go to Scott here. I'm actually very excited about the Giants offense for this year. So I'm curious who Scott has the Giants taking number four overall. 
Yeah, I'm going with uh, offensive tackle Jedrick Wills out of Alabama. I, I think when you start looking at things, you know, there, there's been some Isaiah Simmons talk, but I, I think that's going by the wayside. And I, I think the bottom line, it, it comes down to what is Gettleman going to do to go ahead and protect the investments that he has in both Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. Um, you, you start looking at you know, Nate Solder over on the left side, uh, they can kind of get free of him after this year. I think they can actually save around 13 million if they designate him a, a post June 1st cut. But I think you see how Nate Solder plays out after this year and, and kind of make that decision. And, and you also give you a year to go ahead and scout Wills because he's primarily been a right tackle. So it'll give them some room to see how he can perform in-house if he has the ability to move to, to left tackle. Um, so that's what I have there. Um, and I think, I think just once you start looking at, at Gettleman and the history, he's the guy that makes the most sense. You know, we talk about Joe Judge and the connection he has with Saban. And I think Jedrick Wills is going to be a solid pick here. Yeah, a hog molly for Dave Gettleman, who sent out one of the most pathetic home office pictures I've ever seen in my entire life uh, last week. Uh, Evan, any disagreement here with the Giants? I know, I think we're both going to be pretty high on Daniel Jones and this Giants offense from a sneaky perspective in fantasy, and them taking Jedrick Wills, I think, would do nothing to quell that. Yeah, absolutely. That's the plan. Um, I think the only obstacle that might get in the way is a fellow by the name of Jason Garrett. Uh, but, I, I mean, I like the, the, the young offensive core that they have put together. It's going to be fun for fantasy. They're going to be bad on defense. And Scott and I are, are in lockstep here on the first four picks. All right, let's move to the number five overall selection, Miami Dolphins. Hold this pick. A lot of needs for the Dolphins, obviously, as they go through their rebuild. Evan, who do you have the Dolphins taking at number five? I'm taking Justin Herbert. And I think the, the smoke has been there throughout the draft season. Often where there's smoke, there's fire. I think that um, teams are genuinely concerned about the health of Tua. And that is not, you know, some fabrication. I mean, I, I think that there are really, really strong indications that he's going to fall a little bit. Uh, certainly past the, the number five pick and the Dolphins have been infatuated with Justin Herbert for 18 months. And, um, you know, they, I think that there's a lot of debate about uh, Justin Herbert, you know, among like the, the mainstream media draft analysts. But at the end of the day, I think that this is the player that the Dolphins want. Scott, any disagreement there? Justin Herbert, number five before Tua. No, I completely agree. I think they that scouts have legitimate concerns about whether or not two has actually maxed out his skill level and his capabilities there uh, of what you see now, along with the injury concerns that, that he has. I mean, scouts just seem to think that, that he's brittle once you start looking at the long list of injuries he's had. And, and I, I just think Herbert is an unfinished product right now. He athletically, he compares pretty similarly to what you saw that, that they went ahead and had previously at quarterback. He's a very athletic and I think he's, he's a good comp to, to Tannehill. And I, I think scouts look at him as an unfinished product. He might not have the leadership that, that comes with Tua, but uh, you know, he's a quiet kid. A, a lot of people seem to like him. And I, I think if the injuries weren't a concern, you might see Tua here, but like Evan said, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I think you could start seeing Tua drop, especially past Miami. Yeah, I mean, betting market has reacted, uh, you know, it was slow to react kind of like a, a big cruise ship. But then once it got going, now Justin Herbert is actually the favorite to be the second quarterback off the board at most books. All right, let's go to number six overall pick where the Los Angeles Chargers currently have Tyrod Taylor penciled in as their starting quarterback. Uh, let's go. Let's go to Scott. Who do you have the Chargers taking at six? Yeah, here at the Chargers, and we just talked about them in my previous mock drafts. I had 
Isaiah Simmons, but I think right here we're going to go with Tua Tagovailoa, quarterback from Alabama. A, a lot of things when, when you start looking at, at what the Chargers have, for me, Isaiah Simmons just doesn't quite make sense because he's a very similar skill set to what they have there at Derwin James. You know, he actually played a, a lot more snaps there at slot corner and, and safety than what he even did at linebacker. So I think maybe with Isaiah Simmons, you could start to see a little bit of a fall. And then you just start looking at some of the signals you got from, from the Chargers there in the offseason. They signed Brian Balaga, who's, you know, traditionally played right tackle, who was a left-handed quarterback. You know, the, the Chargers were in the running for Tom Brady during the offseason. So even though you hear that Tyrod Taylor is really loved by, by Anthony Lynn as far as a quarterback, I, I think at most Taylor could just be a, a placeholder and a bridge to go ahead and get to a, you know, another offseason, maybe another year to, to get healthy. And I think, I think Evan actually had a, had a good stat about, about Tua sitting out, you know, how, how much it would lower his chances of re-injuring himself. So I, I think right now and in my final mock draft, I think Tua is going to be the pick here for the Chargers at six. Yeah, and and I like Tyrod Taylor. I think he's an underrated player, but not not anywhere near the kind of quarterback I think you need to go to the Super Bowl. But I would say that um, like the idea that you should pass on a quarterback you like because you have Tyrod seems insane to me, right? Like I just keep taking quarterbacks if I didn't have one and try to get one on a rookie deal that I think I can really win with. Evan, what do you think the Chargers will do at six overall? Uh, in my second to last mock draft, uh, I had them taking Tristan Wirfs. Uh, I mean, they're the left side of their offensive. Their their right side looks good with Trey Turner and Brian Belaga and uh, Mike Pouncey back at center. The the left side of their offensive line still looks really really bad, particularly at left tackle, where they would uh, have a competition if the season started today between Sam Tevy and Trent Scott. And I mean, that's just that's a turnstile at, at, at that position. So I had Tristan Wirfs out of um, uh, offense out of uh, Iowa, and then. Um, I, I was going to switch it to uh, uh, Peter King's mock draft uh, came out on Monday morning and uh, he reported that the Chargers just absolutely love Andrew Thomas out of uh, Georgia offensive tackle. Now the top four offensive tackles are all really interchangeable. And so, I mean, I, you know, and, and there's a bunch of needs for offensive tackles in like the top 11 selections. So it's, it's not really easy to, to pin down. But man, at the end of the day, I, I like I want to see the Chargers take to uh, Tago Vailoa at number six overall. Um, I think that they could drop him into an offense with Hunter Henry and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Austin Eckler. Great defense on the other side uh, to kind of protect the offense, you know, as as Tua comes along and learns. Um, so I, I think I might end up with Tua at number six in, in my final mock draft, which will come out on Wednesday night. All right. Let's go to number seven. And I've seen like almost all mocks have the same guy here. Panthers are on the clock, uh, Evan, seventh overall. What do you think? I have the Panthers taking Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. Uh, the Panthers, of course, lost Luke Keekley. They lost James Bradbury. Their defense is – they lost Mario Addison, who led the team in sacks. Their defense is in really, really bad shape right now. I think they might look at Shaq Thompson – to be their replacement for Luke Keekley and then Isaiah Simmons to be that maybe they're, they're more like, I mean, that would give them two linebackers who I think could play uh, like all three downs in Isaiah Simmons and Shaq Thompson. Um, and they just, they need, they, their, their offense is, is kind of interesting, I think. And we're going to talk a lot about them. I think leading into the fantasy season, their defense needs an awful lot of help. And um, I think that Isaiah Simmons could easily be 
uh, the number one defender on their board. Yeah, I've seen Isaiah Simmons mock to the Panthers in like almost every mock that I've seen. Yet his prop, I mean, you could still get over six and a half at plus money as recently as uh, a couple days ago on Isaiah Simmons. I'm curious, Scott, do you also have Panthers taking Isaiah Simmons? No, actually, this is where uh, Evan and I disagree a little bit. And and he's absolutely correct as far as looking at that that, that Carolina defense. But you, you start looking at more in the secondary, and they lost James Bradbury to the Giants. Across from Dante Jackson right now, they have Corn Elder is who's scheduled to start. I mean, he, he was a guy that was actually picked up off the practice squad for, you know, for the Giants. And I, I just don't see that. You know, I, I think when you start looking at things and, and we talked about Jeffrey Okuda, you know, being passed up there at, at three, I, I think Jeffrey Okuda would make a lot of sense right here because there's such a big gap and, and cutoff from, you know, Okuda and CJ Henderson to that next group of, of defensive backs there. So for me, I actually think Jeffrey Okuda makes a lot of sense right here. And uh, I, I think you could go ahead and, and see them. And, and if you look at, and, look around and find some information. Look, the Carolina Panthers fans are, are hungry for Okuda. I think he's a guy they'd be absolutely furious if they passed over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. For sure, if Okuda does sleep, slip down there to number seven. Let's go to number eight overall, where the Arizona Cardinals, the exciting Cliff Kingsbury Arizona Cardinals, are on the clock. Scott, what do you have? Yeah, for me, you know, we just talked about Okuda. I think if... Uh, if you go ahead and see him drop down right here, I think he makes a lot of sense. They've been looking for somebody, you know, across from Patrick Peterson for, for quite some time. Uh, I think Okuda would, would go ahead and, and inject, a, you know, a, a good talent there in that secondary. So originally in my mock draft, I have Tristan Wirfs. I think they need some some tackle. Mm-hmm. They have DJ Humphrey signed to to a three-year contract. So they gave him the extensions. I think worse would make sense as, a, as far as the right tackle. But here in this draft, in this scenario, I think Okuda dropping down makes a lot of sense for the Cardinals. All right, Evan, what if Simmons uh, gets to the Cardinals or do you think Okuda is the one who gets to the Cardinals? Yeah, I think these guys to some extent are kind of interchangeable at seven and eight, Okuda and Isaiah Simmons. Uh, but I do think that the wild card is if the Cardinals take one of the tackles that is available. Uh, and in this scenario, I think that um, it would be uh, Tristan Wirfs uh, or, or, or Andrew Thomas. So I think that that, or, or Makai Becton. So I think that that you know, is a definite possibility uh, for Arizona. But yeah, I mean, in, in, my, uh, in my second to last mock draft here, I had uh, Panthers taking Isaiah Simmons and then the Cardinals shoring up that longtime number two cornerback weakness opposite Patrick Peterson with Jeff Okuda. All right, now this is interesting because in this mock that that we've done, uh, I believe Tua, if the Chargers didn't take Tua, if we have them taking Wirfs, as Evan suggested, or Thomas, as Evan suggested, Tua is on the board as we go to number nine here for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Evan. Yeah, I mean, I think that Tua is a great, like, long shot bet to land with the Jaguars. Uh, we did a, an NFL draft prop sh- show. Uh, Scott, I, my brother, and... Um, uh, Joey Kanish, uh, and it was uh, uh, and we looked at the odds of Tua going to the Jaguars, and it was twenty to one. Um, and I think there's a realistic scenario where Tua does slide, just outright slides to the Jaguars. And I do think that there's also a, a realistic scenario where the Jaguars could try to trade up for him. They have four picks in the top seventy-five. They have two first rounders, and they've got an owner in Chad Khan that has got to be frustrated with the Jaguars uh, 
GM that he's shown so much loyalty to Dave Caldwell over the years, and they still do not have um, a franchise quarterback, and they passed on Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, and the most egregious, when they were right in Lamar Jackson's range, they took defensive tackle Tavin Bryan over Lamar Jackson just a few picks um, ahead of where Lamar went to the Ravens. So um, I think that there's a chance that ownership could actually step in here and uh, encourage or, or even force uh, the Jaguars to, to make a move to finally secure their franchise quarterback. What do you think about that, Scott? Do I have a realistic chance at landing with the Jaguars? Yeah, I think if Tua goes ahead and, and drops past San Diego, uh, excuse me, the Los Angeles Chargers, I think you could definitely see him in play here for uh, Jacksonville. But one of the interesting things that you really look at, you, you look at Gardner Minshew, and while he wasn't highly drafted last year, he actually outperformed Rookie of the Year Kyler Murray in yards per game, touchdowns per game, and threw less interceptions than what Kyler Murray did. While it was only over 12 games started versus 16 for Kyler Murray, I think the the, the coaching staff, from from their standpoint, they might want to see exactly what they can do with a full offseason with Gardner Minshew and a you know another year. Whereas as Evan you know talked about, the the owners might not want that. They might push for Tua, especially if he goes ahead and drops here. That's a chance that I could definitely see them make taking if Tua were to drop down past the Chargers. All right, let's go to number 10 overall with one of the most disappointing teams, if not the most disappointing team from the 2019 season. That's the Cleveland Browns on the clock, Scott, at number 10 overall. Yeah, I think whenever you look at at Cleveland and what they did last year, I think offensive tackle is definitely a big need, especially there at the left tackle. And, you know, for me, I I think you start looking at at the guy sitting there out of Georgia, and I, I think... Andrew Thomas just makes a, a lot of sense if he's sitting here. The one problem I, I do have is when you start looking at things and, and the type of offense that Stefanski wants to run, I think there's going to be a lot more zone blocking. So I, I've, I've heard a lot of rumors that they're they're very interested in Ezra Cleveland, the offensive tackle out of Boise State. They've actually had you know a combine interview with them. They had a private workout. They also had an, another workout. So there's been a lot of interest there with Ezra Cleveland. This is also a position where I, I think you could start looking at some teams like Denver and other other wide receiver hungry teams to to go ahead and move up wherever Cleveland could go ahead and, and get some ammunition to move down, make a later pick, and then maybe also add some picks to move up and get Ezra Cleveland if that is indeed. But under this circumstance, I'm going to go ahead and give them Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. Yeah, that, that's interesting because the Jets and the Raiders, uh, Broncos, 49ers, this is the range where the wide receiver needy teams come in. If you have a preference, you probably want to get up here to the Browns pick. Evan, what do you think happens at number 10 overall? Yeah, and as uh, Ian uh, Rappaport pointed out about Ezra Cleveland, he actually has the last name, uh, the same last name as the town in which the <laughs> um, So that's, you know, that was, I mean, just an, a genius connection there. Um, at number 10, uh, Andrew Thomas, uh, I, have, I have going to the Browns right now. And I think that they could take, I think the Browns could take Andrew Thomas. I think they could take Tristan Wirfs if he falls here. And I also think they could take Makai Becton if he falls here. I mean, I think that all those guys are graded fairly similarly. And you just take whichever guy falls at number 10 uh, to, to the Browns. And then I think the same is the case for the, for the next team that we're going to talk about. All right. Uh, I've seen people mock wide receivers, to the New York Jets. I've seen them mock tackles, to the New York Jets at 11 overall, Evan, what do you have the New York Jets doing? Taking the, the falling offensive lineman and that, and in this case, it's going to be Makai Becton. Daniel Jeremiah actually has Makai Becton as his number seven overall player. 
and the number one overall uh, offensive lineman in the draft. He's six foot seven, three fifty. He was a great run blocker at Louisville, and you know, like when you have thirty six inch arms and you're that big and long, and and you have you know good enough feet, like guys just cannot get around you. I mean, they certainly can't get through you, and they really struggle to get around you. And I mean, just that size and that length is so, so valuable, and he moves well enough uh, at that size and length that I think that he can hold his own athletically. The thing is that he got flagged for a drug test. I don't even think that he tested positive for any drugs or anything, but he had a a, a drug test that was flagged, and I think that in a year where teams are going to be very prone to risk aversion, um, he winds up being the number four tackle out of these stud four, um, you know, just, just because of that. Yeah, I think it was a marijuana thing, and but the books did, a lot of them did take Becton off the board in terms of his over-under. I'm not sure if he's back up on the board yet in terms of over-under for draft slot, just while, you know, information like that comes out, obviously could cause a slide. What do you think about what the Jets are going to do at 11, Scott? Yeah, I think tackle definitely makes a lot of sense. It's hard to get a consensus ranking on how teams are going to view these tackles there at the top of the board. As far as the Jets go, I think they have a specific player in mind there at tackle. And I, one of the things that that I've really been reading into, the Athletic reported that the Jets were, were linked and had discussions with the Redskins about Trent Taylor. I mean Trent Williams. He's one of the players that I think could also be an option for them in a, a trade there on, on draft day if the tackle that they want doesn't fall to them here. And I think they could definitely go ahead and pivot to C.D. Lamb. When you start looking at the Jets last year, they were dead last in yards per play. They also ranked last in pressure allowed. So I think both wide receiver and tackle make sense here. If the tackle they want doesn't fall, I definitely see Trent Williams and and C.D. Lamb maybe as the fallback option there at 11. All right. Speaking of wide receivers, widely mocked to the Oakland Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders at 12th overall is a wide receiver. Scott, what do you think the Raiders are going to do at 12? Look, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and kind of veer off the path here a lot of people have had Henry Ruggs but I'm gonna go with CJ Anderson uh, the cornerback CJ Anderson the cornerback out of Florida look you can't really predict what Mike Mayock's gonna do he surprised a lot of people with Cleveland Farrell last year you you start looking at the the current cornerbacks they have there starting you're looking at Mullen and and Nevin Lawson I I don't think that's somebody to go in there to with their cornerback starting a lot of mock drafts at wide receiver here but Mm -hmm. I I think you could definitely see them go ahead and and take the top cornerback that's left and, and maybe look at a wide receiver since the class is so deep with that second position. Yeah, I think uh, the Josh Jacobs pick was John Gruden-esque, but as Scott mentioned, it's hard to predict what John Gruden is going to do. Evan, what do you think happens at 12? Well, I have the Raiders taking a wide receiver, um, but, you know, there have been like Tony Pauline and um, a, a couple of other like draft insiders who have really good track records I said that they don't think that C.J. Henderson is getting past the 12th pick uh, and that he could maybe even go inside the top 10 and be a surprise, you know, to maybe Arizona, who we you know, talked about has that longtime number two cornerback weakness, maybe no, number nine to uh, the Jaguars. So I, I don't think it's crazy at all. Uh, I know that a lot of uh, Raiders fans do because in my third to last mock draft, I had C.J. Henderson going number 12. Uh, to the Raiders, and I was, you know, called, you know, the the biggest, you know, I got death threats uh, on on Twitter from uh, Raiders fans. But um, yeah, I, I don't, I think it's, um, I think it is off the beaten path. I think that it is contrarian, but I also think it's re- like very realistic. Yeah, 
Okay, another team widely linked to wide receivers, San Francisco 49ers at 13th overall. Evan, what do you think? I have C.D. Lamb, Oklahoma wide receiver. Debo Samuel is awesome, and I'm going to try to have him as high as I possibly can in our um, 2020 redraft rankings. I mean, I think he's in a great spot, even if the 49ers do take a first-round wide receiver. I think that the the first-round wide receivers are going to take a little time to, to come along and, and make impacts because of no off-season workouts, because of no rookie minicamp, because I, I don't think that there's going to be a whole lot of um, you know, training camp practice or, you know, like maybe one or two preseason games. Uh, but I think that C.D. Lamb, Lamb gives the 49ers that big-time run-after-catch that they love uh, and that, you know, Kyle Shanahan can help scheme open C.D. Lamb and, and he can, um, you know, add on additional yards with just – I mean, he's the best run-after-catch receiver in the draft. He's a guy that can move around. He averaged over six yards per route run in the slot, which uh, led the nation this past season. He was a 70% outside receiver, but a 30% uh, slot receiver, and just dominated whenever they got him inside. And I think that Kyle Shanahan is going to love that versatility. Yeah. Uh, CeeDee Lamb led college ball in most advanced metrics last year. Scott, what do you think about the 49ers at 13? Yeah, I think they're going to go wide receiver. Um, there's been some rumor as of late that they're they're interested in trading out, trading back from both picks that they had there in the yeah. first round. But but look, I, I think whenever you start looking at things, I think Lamb makes more sense there for the 49ers than what Jerry Judy does because you start looking at, at Jalen Hurd, who's a guy that they might want to use in a slot a little bit. You start looking at Debo Samuel, and there's only so many so many slot targets that you can get into to these guys. So I think Lamb is definitely a better fit than some of these other guys. I can maybe see them pivoting to Henry Ruggs if they want to open it up and, and kind of get that deep threat. But I, I think wide receiver is the best bet here for the 49ers. All right, 14th overall, the Tampa Bay Bucks, the Tom Brady Tampa Bay Bucks are on the clock. Scott, what do you have? Yeah, I, I was going to go with Makai Becton here, uh, but since Evan already went ahead and, and picked him a little bit earlier, I think we're going to pivot a little bit and go with Javon Kinlaw. Um, in my notes, I basically for Tampa Bay, I have uh, protect Tom Brady at all costs, and uh, I think uh, Tampa Bay would definitely look at maybe moving up in this draft just to secure our left tackle if, if they can't, but here if they can't get a, a, a tackle, I think uh, you go ahead and look at Javon Kinlaw, who's kind of recognized by scouts as a, a top 10 talent. He dominated the senior bowl and, and that Tampa Bay team definitely needs some help there on defense. Uh, yeah. One thing, and maybe this is a reach, but Daniel Jeremiah tweeted today that Austin Jackson is a guy that will go higher than the experts or the mock drafters think. I know Evan thinks this is a possible landing spot for Austin Jackson. What do you think, Evan? Yeah. And two of my first three mock drafts, I put Austin Jackson, number 14 to the Buccaneers. I think that the Buccaneers ideally in their minds would want to actually, I mean, there has been talk that they, they might trade up. I mean, they're in a, a small window here with, with Tom Brady. And I think they're going to want to capitalize on that as much as possible. In this scenario, I went with Austin Jackson and I think that he's probably going to end up more in the twenties, maybe, maybe like 22 to Minnesota, um, 26 to the dolphins. Uh, but, but in this scenario with, you know, all with the top four tackles going so quickly, I think it forces the Bucs to uh, make a little bit of a reach. Uh, but, I, I mean, they did not resign DeMar Dotson in free agency. Donovan Smith is a guy that, you know, they should probably be – I mean, they, they shouldn't have never signed him to that big deal that they gave him. Austin Jackson, I think, is more ready to play right away than he's given credit for. And I think he's the clear number five tackle in this draft. And 
that report from Daniel J Jeremiah gave me a little bit more confidence of just having him in my first round because I've even wavered on him maybe going like 33 overall to the Bengals. Yeah, market had Austin Jackson's over-under on draft slot at like 26 and a half. There is a ton of juice on the under now, but signs do point to Austin Jackson going uh, under that 26 and a half. Let's go to 15th overall. Denver Broncos are on the clock, Evan. I mean, Jerry Judy's sliding here. So we got to take uh, Jerry Judy, I think, uh, to Alabama. Now, I think the, the choice here, you know, in this scenario, in a mock draft is just, a scenario you're, you're you're presenting a scenario we're not projecting trades here we're, we can talk about trades but we're not like actually projecting trades um and i think in the broncos have been rumored to be a team that is interested in trading up for a wide receiver which i think is just ridiculous in a draft where you know there are maybe eight wide receivers that are first round caliber and 18 inside the top 100 picks and um but I think here you go with Jerry Judy. I think that his separation skills is just, just on another level. Um, and I think that's going to make life a lot easier on Drew Locke, who is still kind of a shaky projection. Scott, there was a time I thought Deshaun Hamilton was going to be the man opposite Corlin Sutton. I was proven wrong. What do you think about the Broncos at 15? Yeah, I actually think Jerry Judy makes a lot of sense. He's actually going to be the player that in my final mock, I think Jerry Judy is going to end up with Denver. I think there's a very good chance that Denver could trade up to to solidify their chances to go ahead and select Jerry Judy. I think he makes a lot of sense for, for Drew Locke and, and, you know, to go ahead and play the slot opposite there of uh, Cortland Sutton. They need to do something with their offense. And look, John Elway really doesn't have a good track record of picking offensive players. So I think Jerry Judy's a safe pick for him here. All right, 16th overall, the Atlanta Falcons as we move to the second half of the first round. Scott, who do you have? 16th Falcons. I'm going with Caleb Von Chasson from LSU, the edge rusher. Look, edge is very – it's shallow in this draft, and if there's anything that Atlanta needs, they need some edge rushers. So they they haven't done well with it with Tack McKinley, and and you start looking at some of the other guys they have. They, they need an injection of, of some pressure to, to get on quarterbacks, especially in that, that NFC South. So I, I think Chasson can go ahead and, and bring that there for them there with Atlanta, and I think there's just such a huge drop-off as far as the talent stand standpoint after them so I, I think Atlanta would be happy to go ahead and see him here this in the middle of the draft right there yeah Falcons made a big investment in their offensive line early in last year's draft expect that to start paying dividends soon but just a mess on defense I assume you have the Falcons going defense here at 16 also Evan I mean in this scenario I, I think that you gotta take Henry Ruggs I guess oh, okay you say you know Caleb on chess on this dude who had nine and a half sacks his entire college career. He is not going to turn our trash can defense into something useful on his own. So what we do is we, we say F it and we're just going to try to outscore you every single week. And, you know, we're not going to try to, we're not going to play with 10 men and, you know, use Russell Gage as our third receiver. We're going to have 11 out there and we're going to try to outscore you. And that's going to be with Henry Ruggs and, um, Calvin Ridley and I mean Julio Jones entering his age 31 season so I mean he's you know he's he's not going to be getting any better like the you know the the trajectory is down for Julio sure um, their offensive line I think has a chance to be good if those two first rounders that they took last year uh, come along they've got Alex Mack at center they've got Jake Matthews at left tackle uh, their left guard James Carpenter has a lot of experience uh, in the NFL 
So I think that they're, I mean, at this point, like their defense is not salvageable. And I think you got to take the best player on the board and that's Henry Ruggs. Um, but, you know, I, I spent like all day Saturday arguing with Falcons fans about that. So, <laughs> so that, that's who I would take. In, in my second last mock draft, I had him taking CJ Henderson. Apparently they want to trade up maybe to go get Okuda uh, because yeah. there, there have been like whispers that, he, that they, that they want to trade up into the top five. Right. Chris Mortensen reporting today that Falcons among the most aggressive teams trying to move up. Yeah, that would be fun, though, if they took Henry Ruggs. I mean, you'd have two teams would play no defense, play a ton of offense in that NFC South with the Panthers and the Falcons. Let's go to 17th overall America's team. The Dallas Cowboys are on the clock, Evan. We're going to have to stop. I mean, we're going to have to stop Henry Ruggs slide here. And Henry Ruggs is going to be your third receiver with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. And, you know, the Dak haters are just going to have to go into hibernation. Dak is going to light it up. Uh, Scott, and hopefully they trade Zeke Elliott and start Tony Pollard. Now we're talking, yeah. Scott. <laughs> yeah, it would make a lot of sense if Rugs were to slide down this far. Uh, you know, it's look, it's this situation where we just have like different mock, different players going to different positions. So that's going right. to force Henry Rugs to kind of slide down here. I, I think. Look, it, it would make a hell of a pick there for for Dallas fans. I think they would be excited about it. Um, yeah, I can definitely see it. I also think you, you have to start looking at, at some other players here. One of the guys that I'm really high on, and we talked about it a little bit, I think Cesar Ruiz, the, the center from from Michigan, is a player that – a dark horse that can go this high. I, I talked about it a little bit on, on the draft prop show that we did. I, I think Cesar Ruiz is, you know – held in a higher esteem than than with the center last year out of NC State that that Minnesota drafted. I, I think he's a guy, long shot, but you start looking at Travis Frederick retired. I think we talk about the identity of what Dallas is. They're a run-first team that wants to get Zeke involved, and, and Dak still isn't signed. So how are we going to make Dak happy? You know, Henry Ruggs would definitely do it, but also let's go ahead and see about maybe getting him some protection from Cesar Ruiz there at center. Yeah, Evan and I discussed that possibility on last week's Show also when talking about the bet regarding will Dallas take an offensive or defensive player can certainly get uh, a decent amount of plus money if they take an offensive player. Cesar Ruiz obviously qualifies. 18th overall, Dolphins are on the clock once again, Scott. Yeah, you know, I think whenever we start looking at it, what do the Dolphins need? Uh, they got their quarterback earlier in, in this scenario, and we talked about Austin Jackson. He's the guy that I would go ahead and have getting picked here. It's a, it's a little bit higher than what a lot of people have on him, but apparently coaches love, you know, some of the athleticism and some of the traits that he has. Um, so I, I think Austin Jackson, the offensive tackle out of USC, makes a lot of sense. Um, another pivot guy that you could possibly see that I think scouts may be a little bit lower on is Josh Jones, the offensive a tackle out of Houston. So I have them going tackle here in the first round with the second pick that they have. Evan, I've seen DeAndre Swift mocked as high as 18th overall to the Dolphins, which would be infuriating to me as a somebody who bet zero running backs to go in the first round. But what do you think Dolphins at 18? Yeah, I have him taking uh, Kalevon Chase on out of LSU. Uh, he already went to numbers, uh, the Falcons at number 16. Um, and, you know, I had Austin Jackson going uh, number 14 to uh, the Buccaneers. but. Um, no, I mean, I think that I think this is a, a realistic spot. I also think that if the Cowboys do not take Cesar Ruiz, the Dolphins should look at him. I mean, the Dolphins really could go anywhere. They've got 14 picks. They've got three first-rounders, and they've got a whole lot of needs. So I, I, I think that we're, we're really throwing darts here, but I, I just think that a lot of, lot of different dudes make sense because of all the holes that Miami has. 
Sure. Speaking of holes, Raiders are back on the clock at 19, Evan. Las Vegas Raiders, what do you got? So they went with C.J. Henderson uh, at number 12 overall. Mm-hmm. That put them in position here to take um, – I'm going to have to uh, – This is what's going to happen during the real draft. Like the internet's no. going to get slowed and like, <laughs> like Gettleman's computer is not going to work. And they're going to be like, ah, who are they taking? I mean, I think I'm going to have to go with. Uh, Justin Jefferson. I thought about him. I, I think that. All right. Yeah. Well, let, let's just go with Justin Jefferson. We, we can definitely go with Jeff, Justin Jefferson, maybe the highest floor receiver in the draft. Um, I think he's kind of like a poor man's Michael Thomas. You can play him in the slot. He was mostly a slot receiver this past year. Before that, he played more outside. He ran 4-4-3 at the combine to, uh, to ease concerns about his speed. Um, Justin Jefferson, Tyrell Williams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller as your pass catchers. I mean, I think you can work with that. Yeah, and I only said that because I have Justin Jefferson under 21-and-a-half draft position. Scott, what do you think about uh, Raiders at 19? Yeah, under the scenario and in my last mock draft, this is exactly the pick that I have is uh, Justin Jefferson there to the Raiders, especially if they go ahead and take C.J. Henderson early. Um, you've got some long shot mock drafts there that that have Jordan Love starting to come off the board there to the Raiders, making sense that, you know, you start looking at, at, John, at Gruden and how much he loves you know, his quarterbacks, but I, I don't think love's going to be a, a factor here. I think he's going to move further down and, and maybe out of the first round altogether. But look, under this scenario and in my last mock draft, I had the Raiders taking CJ Henderson with their first first round pick. And this is right where I have Justin Jefferson going, who's a solid pick there out of LSU. All right. 20th overall Jaguars, London slash Jacksonville Jaguars are back on the clock. I believe we had them taking Tua with their first pick. Scott, what do you have Jaguars now at 20? Yeah, you know, for the for the Jaguars, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the player that I'm going to go ahead and look at is uh, a cornerback, A.J. Terrell out of Clemson. Um, we talk about the tackle market and just trying to find a consensus at cornerback is just as bad there at tackle. I, I think uh, that secondary has, has struggled for a while since they, they got rid of, of Jalen Ramsey. So they need some help there on the back end. A.J. Terrell's a, a guy who's there at six foot one. He ran into four fours. I, I think he makes a lot of sense there for, for Jacksonville secondary who's going to need some help. It wasn't that long ago, Evan, that Jacksonville had like one of the most talented defenses we've seen in the last like decade. Like for, it was a real short time, but there was like a year or two where they were just absolutely loaded. And now, as Scott alluded to, I mean, their defense is one to pick on. What do you think the Jaguars do at 20? Yeah, their defense was so loaded. I mean, and then they lost Telvin Smith, and they traded A.J. Bowie, and they traded Jalen Rams, and they traded Calais Campbell, and they're trying to trade Yannick Ngakwe, and they cut Marcel Darius. Like, the entire thing has come apart. Yeah. And it's, it's really been – I mean, it's just – it's not even there anymore. Like, it, it's not it's not a good defense at this point, really. Um, so, I, I actually have Patrick Queen going to them. Uh, Miles Jack moving back outside. This year, I think you play Patrick Queen in the middle, and he takes on a lot of those responsibilities that they never filled uh, with uh, following Telvin Smith's kind of surprising retirement. Uh, at 21st overall, the Philadelphia Eagles are on the clock, and I think Eagles fans, at least, are hoping they'll go wide receiver. In this scenario, the top four wide receivers are all off the board. 
What do you think at 21 to the Eagles, Evan? Jalen Rieger, wide receiver out of um, TCU. I just think that in this scenario with all these wide receivers going off the board and Jalen Rieger brings that, that big play dynamism uh, that they really need in their offense. And um, I think that they could work him into the slot quite a bit uh, between Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. Both those guys are probably gone after this year. At some point, they're going to have to try to get something out of uh, J.J. or Sega Whiteside. But, I mean, I think that they, they can't fall victim to trying to chase that sunk cost in J.J. or Sega Whiteside. And they need to add speed to the perimeter of their offense with a guy that can get open. And I think that Jalen Rieger will be able to do that. I actually uh, added a prop to my article today. You can get plus 275 that uh, Jalen Rieger will be drafted ahead of Denzel Mims. And, um, you know, I think it's probably a coin flip at this point, but I think Evans pointed out and some other people have pointed out that Denzel Mims kind of meteoric rise might be more on Twitter and in the media than it is in real NFL circles. So yeah, Rieger to go ahead of Mims. If you're over in New Jersey, you can get some good stuff on that. Uh, Anyways, Scott, Eagles at 21. Yeah, you know, for me, whenever whenever I start looking at things, I tend to agree with uh, with Evan here, especially with Jalen Rieger. Look, Philadelphia fans will be completely upset if they see anybody other than Justin Jefferson there at wide receiver. But I just don't think that Jefferson's a good fit for Philadelphia. When you start looking at both of the tight ends they have, you know, our Sega Whiteside, another guy who kind of fits as like a big slot. It would just be a redundancy as far as skill set with what Jefferson brings as far as a, a big matchup slot. I think they definitely need to go ahead and, and get some speed and I think Carson and Wentz has actually succeeded and been a more dynamic quarterback when he's had that speed to work with on the outside so you know I, I think Jalen Rager makes a lot of sense here and, and he's a guy that's been moving up look the, the fantasy communities loved him and I, I think it's starting to catch up here with, with some of the scouting community and he's a guy that I, I actually will probably also have there for Philadelphia. Yeah, Daniel Jeremiah also tweeting today, Monday, that Jalen Rieger is another guy who will go higher than most people think. And I think 21 makes a lot of sense and qualifies there. 22nd overall, another wide receiver hungry team. I mean, God, the Vikings have absolutely nothing behind Adam Thielen right now. 22nd overall, Minnesota Vikings are on the clock, Scott. Yeah, I'm going to go with another LSU guy, and uh, I'm going to go with Christian Fulton, cornerback at LSU. Uh, I think they need a, a lot of secondary help. They, they 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 had a, a mass exodus there with uh, Trey Waynes and and all of their cornerbacks basically leaving during the offseason and, and ended up in other places. So they definitely need cornerback help. They need some tackle help where, where Denzel Mims could possibly be an option. I mean, not a wide receiver help with Denzel Mims. They, they also need some tackle where you could see some of these other guys going as well. But right here, I'm going to go with cornerback Christian Fulton. Yeah, I would assume as you get deeper in these mocks and these mock draft contests, that accuracy gets less and less as you go deeper and deeper in the draft. You guys probably know better than me, but it would seem like that'd be the case. But anyways, Evan, what do you have? 22nd overall Vikings. Yeah, and especially in the 20s, like it's it's I think it's tougher this year than any year. Usually there's some decent intel on uh, players that are going to be matched up with teams in the 20s, late 20s and early 30s. But there has been very, very little of that this year. Jalen Johnson is a guy out of Utah uh, that I looked at for the Vikings actually at number 25, but in this scenario, I think also would make sense at number 22. I just, I think the Vikings are going to come out of this with a starting cornerback, whether that be Christian Fulton, whether that be Jalen Johnson, whether that be Jeff Gladney. um, I think that they're going to take a guy with one of their two 
first rounders. Um, and, and this is a good range for cornerbacks and Christian Fulton. I just, I have not gotten a great feel for where his draft range is going to be. And I mean, the same could be said for Jalen Johnson. I think like these guys could go um, early twenties or maybe even go like deep into the second round. It's just, I, I don't have a great feel for where these guys are going to go. Speaking of not a great feel Patriots. I mean, in this post Tom Brady era, um, will be one of the most talked about first round selections because people want to know, do they see Jordan Love as Tom Brady's heir apparent? Do they see it worth trading up, even though they have so many holes on this team? Do they see it as a spot worth trading up to try to get Tua or somebody like that? Evan, what do you have for the New England Patriots at 23rd overall? You know, I actually have Javon Kinlaw falling here. Um, Scott mentioned him as early as number 14 to Tampa Bay, but I've heard that there are some medical concerns on Javon Kinlaw. And I think that they, that he could end up following into falling into, into the second half of the first round. Um, he lands with the Patriots, the Patriots strengthen a strength by uh, improving up front on defense. And, um, you know, I think that that's what they're going to kind of ride into 2020. They're, you know, bringing along a young quarterback who's highly inexperienced. They're going to try to lean on the run game a little bit. Their offensive line should be a lot better with uh, a lot, a lot, a bunch of guys coming back healthy. Uh, and then they're, they're going to play good defense and try to be like a 10 and six sort of team that really wins with, you know, a game manager style quarterback, you know, a, a, an improved running game and a defense that is still one of the best in the league. And Javon Kinlaw uh, very much uh, comp- complements that kind of strategy. Okay, this would be a a pick that ESPN would hate, I'm sure, because they wouldn't get to talk do the Tom Brady heir apparent talk. Scott, do you have the Patriots going quarterback here at 23? No, I just don't think there's a quarterback on the board. There's no way, shape, or form do I think Jordan Love fits what Bill Belichick wants to lead his team at, at quarterback. The, the decision making for Jordan Love just isn't there. I, I think when you start looking at this team and where their identity is going to move for in the post-Tom Brady area, era, it's going to be on, over on defense. So I think this is going to be a defensive pick. I think there's an outside shot that you can maybe see an offensive lineman pick, but I, I think it's definitely going to be, be a defensive pick. I was kind of actually looking at Zach Bond, who uh, is kind of kind of in that fringe range, but I think he kind of fits a, a little bit of a need there. And when you start looking at the, the linebackers they have, I think he kind of reminds me of Kyle Van Oy a little bit. But if you start looking at what New England has at linebacker, you're talking Shalit Calhoun, Jawan Bentley, and Brandon Copeland are, are the only guys that they have there outside of Dante Hightower after you've seen some of, some of the losses that they've had in, during the offseason and free agency. All right, 24th overall, the New Orleans Saints are on the clock. Scott, obviously they have quarterback questions as well. Is Taysom Hill their heir apparent to Drew Brees or do they start looking quarterback now? You know, this is this is one of the more interesting questions here. Um, I'm actually going to go a, a different route. I, I think they need some linebacker help. They have Kiko Alonso there signed for for a year, and I think Alex Anzalone's looking at, at his uh, last year on, on his rookie contract. So I'm actually going to go with Kenan Murray, the linebacker here out of Oklahoma. Jordan Love does make a little bit of sense. You know, I, I have some intel that that Drew Brees was actually 
ready to retire and actually was had already you know informed the team before the Pro Bowl that he was set to re retire. Um, he got talked back in to, a, to another year. I think this is absolutely going to be his final year. And when we start looking at teams that could go ahead and take a chance on Jordan Love, it's going to be both a GM who's comfortable and not on a hot seat right now and an offensive coach that has arrogant or ego enough to, to think that he can go ahead and fix the issues that you have with Jordan Love. The Saints were rumored to be in play back when Patrick Mahomes was was there, but I think under this circumstance, and I think when it comes down to to the actual draft day, I'm going to have the Saints going ahead and passing here on Jordan Love and taking Kenneth Murray here as a linebacker. Okay, Evan, I know you think that the Saints are at least have a chance to take a quarterback here. What do you think they do at 24? Yeah, I have him taking Jordan Love, but you know, for all the, re I mean, I think it's just as likely that he that Jordan Love just falls into the second round. Um, and uh, I, I, I don't like the idea of Jordan Love being the Saints pick at number 24 because the window, again, this is a very small window um, with Drew Brees. I mean, as Scott just said, and I, I totally buy that, that he was ready to retire. Um, and, you know, I think that he could retire, I mean, you know, after, after this season. So, I think it would make sense for them to add an, uh, an immediate impact player. Jordan Love is not that. Kenneth Murray would be that. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see where I end up in, in my final mock, but I think that that's a, that's a very sensible pick uh, at number 24, Kenneth Murray. 25th overall Vikings are back on the clock once again. Evan, what do you got? Yeah, so Scott had them taking a corner, Christian Fulton out of LSU at 22. Mm -hmm. uh, them taking Jalen Johnson out of Utah at number 25. Uh, but so I'm going to go with here, I'm going to go with Josh Jones, Houston offensive tackle. Um, the, the Vikings, you know, they, they have done a good amount to uh, try to address their offensive line in recent years. It's just still not good enough. And I think that uh, Josh Jones can help them, whether it be, you know, a, sh a short term fix at, um, I, th I think he could play inside in year one. I also think that if he is deemed ready enough, they could put him at left tackle and move Riley Reef into left guard, which is something that I know that they've entertained, which has never followed through on in recent years. Scott, Vikings picking very close together once again here. Any new thoughts on the Vikings at 25? No, I actually, I agree under circumstances. I think, uh, you know, there's really only three positions I see them them drafting with the two picks that they have here in the first round. That's going to be some type of offensive tackle and cornerback uh, combination and with possibly a, a wide receiver in there. You, you've heard some rumors and, and, and seen some mock drafts with Denzel Mims going to to the Vikings. Um, I, you start looking at the draft prop. I think his draft prop is, is sitting there at 32. So I like the tackle pick a little bit more, and I agree with Josh Jones here. All right, speaking of teams with a lot of first-round picks, for the third time in the first round, the Dolphins are on the clock at 26th overall. Tell me you don't have, tell me you don't have running back going here. Please, Scott. No running back. I have zero running backs in my first-round draft. Uh, I'm going with Xavier McKinney, the safety out of uh, Alabama. You start looking at uh, the way Minka Fitzpatrick performed and, and how they shipped him off um, to Pittsburgh, and I, I think they, they have a hole there on the secondary. Xavier McKinney checks a lot of the boxes that coaches go ahead and look for and, and has a lot of the traits. He's played in slot corner. He's played safety. He's very good blitzing. He, you know, Nick Saban raves about the guy, so I, I think he makes a lot of sense here for, for Miami late in the second round. Third time around, Evan, on the Dolphins. I also have McKinney going 26 to the Dolphins. Um, and I think that, you know, the, 
Brian Flores, who comes from New England, could view him as a, you know, like a, a, a rich man's version of Pat Chung, who plays in the middle of the field. Pat Chung really plays linebacker and cover safeties. And I think that Xavier, Xavier McKinney could be the Dolphins' new, like, tight end stopper. All right, 27th overall. The Seattle Seahawks are on the clock, Evan. I have the Seahawks taking Ezra Cleveland. Uh, Ezra Cleveland, um, you know, plays out West, first of all, uh, and he's one of the best pass-protecting linemen in the draft. Uh, You could play him at tackle or guard. uh, And, I mean – for God's sake, Seattle, like, can we, can we try to improve this pass protection once and for all? I really think that Ezra Cleveland makes a lot of sense to them. Yeah. His name, if his name was Ezra Seattle, it would be, it would be a lock that, right. that they would take. A lock. Uh, all right, Scott, what do you have? Seahawks at 27. Yeah, I think offensive line is definitely a, a place to go. I think this is maybe another range where you could start to see uh, Cesar Ruiz come into play. Um, you know, they've really struggled at, at the center position since they got rid of Max Unger and, you know, putting together an offensive line and their identity has been to, to run the ball a lot as well. Uh, I think he's the guy that could come into play here. And I can also see, you know, any of these tackles that are kind of fringe late first to early second round tackles come into play here for Seattle. So uh, I tend to agree. And I think uh, Ezra Cleveland could be a pick here for Seattle. All right, 28th overall, one of the most analytically-minded teams in the NFL. The Baltimore Ravens are on the clock, Scott. Yeah, the Ravens have uh, have some some interior offensive line need, but uh, I think they need both a linebacker and an edge defender. So I, I, this is a place uh, I talked about Zach Bowen a little earlier. I think he kind of fits here. He's a little bit more of a situational pass rusher who plays also better off the ball. So I think that he's a player that they can move around a lot on their defense and and go ahead and, and get a lot of usage out of him early on. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of good things for that come out on him out of Wisconsin. He's a guy I think would fit in great here in Baltimore. All right, Baltimore Ravens, one of the uh, favorites of fantasy Twitter due to their strong decision-making. Evan, who do you have the Ravens taking? Yeah, along the same lines as Scott, I have them taking Yatur Gross Matos out of Penn State, big-time athlete. You look at the Ravens, if they were – I mean, they you know their, their defense, I think – especially up front, I think it needs to get stronger. They had maybe the best secondary in the league right up there with New England this past season. Uh, But I think that their front seven needs addressing, whether it be a guy like Zach Bond out of Wisconsin or Gross Matos out of Penn State. Matt Judon is their best pass rusher right now, and I think at best he's a complimentary number two pass rusher, and he's on the franchise tag, so they only have him under control for one season. There have been no indications – that they want to lock him up long-term. So I think adding another edge pass rush threat, the Tour Grass Gross Matos uh, makes a lot of sense for them. And I think that your Tour Gross Matos is a guy who, like the arrow is pointing up on him, uh, and he's got a lot of growth potential. At 29 overall, the one of the more surprising playoff runs that we saw last year, maybe the most surprising playoff run, Tennessee Titans are on the clock, Evan. I think that if there has, has been some leaks in terms of intel among the late twenty, like uh, among the late twenties picks and the early thirties picks, I think the one that has stand out, stood out the most is uh, the Titans taking uh, Georgia offensive tackle Isaiah Wilson, and it makes perfect sense because they just lost Jack Conklin, and Isaiah Wilson is a similar type of player, actually bigger than Jack Conklin, just a massive, massive individual, almost six foot eight. 300 
340, 350 pounds. Um, actually, I think he was 364 at the combine. Just a, a freak of, of, a, of a you know human being, and fits their mentality and smashes a need. Scott, 29 Titans. Yeah, I actually uh, agree. I have Isaiah Wilson here as well. I think he's uh, he's the guy that has been strongly rumored to to go ahead and make the jump. And, you know, he's just a mountain of a guy there at right tackle. And if if the Tennessee Titans want to continue the momentum that they gained in going into the playoffs, I, I think they need to go ahead and replace Jack Conklin. So it makes perfect sense. Cool. All right. 30th overall as we reach the back end of the first round here. Green Bay Packers are on the clock, Scott. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take a swing with uh, Denzel Mims, wide receiver out of Baylor. Um, they've been searching for a, another wide receiver to be comfortable with since they've lost Jordy Nelson. You know, Randall Cobb's no longer there in the slot, and just everybody else has really struggled. So you're really looking at Alan Lazard, the, the one who's kind of stepped up the most. So I, I think Denzel Mims can can bring a lot of, of – skills that'll take some of the pressure off of Devontae Adams on that opposite side. You know, they, they, they love his hand fighting and him, his ability to go ahead and get off the line and as well as his, his blocking capability. So, you know, I think he's a little bit of a fringe early second, you know, late first round guy. I'm going to go ahead and, and, and have Green Bay take him here. Yeah, that would be exciting. I actually think Al Lazard uh, can play a little bit, but he's certainly better fit as a number three, I think, to slide in Mims as number two. Next to Devontae Adams and have Alan Lazard as number three, I think would be uh, a big upgrade for the Packers. Evan, what do you think about Packers at 30 overall? Yeah, they just better send some uh, Aaron Rodgers, some of Denzel Mims tape because, you know, Aaron Rodgers, if, if he doesn't like you as a wide receiver, you are not getting the ball. You know, mm -hmm. These poor young receivers that he just churns through. But um, I have them taking Kenneth Murray. Um, and, you know, it's just a matter of, Kenneth Murray falls to them. I think they need linebacker help for sure. Uh, even after signing um, the, the the dude from uh, Cleveland who, you know, Kirksey, who just, I mean, he wasn't even very good. He couldn't stay healthy for the end of his Cleveland career. They're putting a lot of chips in his basket right now. And I think that they, uh, you know, if like Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray goes here, I think that they could take him. But they can also very much take a wide receiver. I know that that's what a lot of people that, uh, a lot of Packers fans want them to do at number 30. And Denzel Mims, I think he's a baller. Like, But it just seems like you know people inside the NFL aren't as high on him. Yeah, there were a lot of reports from local media in, in Green Bay saying they were going to come out of free agency and the draft with you know at least one top flight tight end and wide receiver. They didn't come out of free agency with any of them. So, uh, yeah, I think wide receiver is definitely a possibility here at 30th overall. 31st overall, Evan, San Francisco 49ers, your defending NFC champions are on the clock. I think the 49ers badly want to trade out of this pick. Um, Scott mentioned earlier they might even want to trade out of both of their first-round picks, and that's because they don't have very many picks after these uh, first two. But we're not projecting trades. I have them taking Ross Blacklock out of TCU defensive tackle. Um, they did trade away DeForest Buckner. Daniel Jeremiah has Ross Blacklock as his Number 19 overall player in the entire draft. But um, this would be a situation where the 49ers, you know, they have a really strong roster and they strengthen a strength. Even after the, the Forrest Buckner trade, I still think their defensive line is very much a strength. And they can strengthen a strength by adding Ross Blacklock, who's a dude that uh, from the interior can get up the field and, and, and become a big-time pass rusher from the interior. 
Yeah, that would certainly be strengthening his strength there. Scott, what do you have the 49ers doing at 31? Yeah, I actually agree with uh, Ross Blacklock. And I, I think when you start looking at the mock drafts and some of the stuff that me and Evan do, and you start trying to get toward this late in the, in, in the round to, to actually hit, you're not necessarily trying to match the, the player with the team exactly as much as you're just trying to figure out who the top 32 guys are to get into your mock draft. And I, I think Evan hit on it perfectly, especially with Daniel Jeremiah's ranking. I think Blacklock's a guy that's that's set to, to go in the first round. He makes sense here to go ahead and replace the force buck he would also maybe make sense with the next pick to to Kansas City since they have Chris Jones that are dealing with contract issues as well. So I definitely like Blacklock is getting in and sliding right here in the 31 and making his way into the first round. All right. Last pick. It's been a pleasure going through this first round with you boys. Last pick of the first round goes to the Kansas City Chiefs. You're defending Super Bowl champion. Scott, what do you got? Look, there's not a lot of things that they need, but if if we start looking at positions and you know they 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 lost you know some cornerbacks there, they they actually went ahead and and re-signed one of their cornerbacks and Brashad Breeland. You know they they lost Fuller to to the Redskins, so I, I think slot corner is a position that would make a lot of sense. And I'm going to go with uh, Gladney, cornerback out of TCU. Um, yeah, I think he's a little bit on a smaller side, but the the scouts seem to love the way he fights, and I, I think he's ranked. You know, we, we talked about the consensus rankings. He's all over the place, but I think some scouts actually have him ranked as high as third on the board amongst cornerbacks. Who's going to be that third cornerback is going to be a question, but I think he's a guy that could go ahead and slide in here as the last pick in the first round. Evan, last pick of the first round, Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I think it's it's a tough one. I have Zach Bond, who went earlier, um, and I think that Patrick Queen from LSU, I don't think that we had a, a team take him. Mm-hmm that he could be in play. Um, I also think that Blacklock, if he makes it past the 49ers, could very much be in play. If Kenneth Murray, for some reason, made it here, he could play, be in play. Jeff Gladney, um, Christian Fulton, if he makes it past the Vikings, at, where we mocked him before. I think that linebacker, cornerback, is um, the, the, the likeliest two positions that the Chiefs address at this position. I, we're going to make it out of this draft without a running back in the first round. I know that that's going to make you happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Chiefs, I guess, would be one of the likelier teams to take a running back. But I, I'm just not buying that they, that they would do that. I think they've only got, what, five or six picks. Um, and they're fine at running back. Damian Williams, DeAndre Washington, I think are, are a really underrated duo uh, relative to the scheme that, the run, that they run and just the way that they play. Yeah. I don't think Andy Reid um, – I think Andy Reid understands what he has in Damian Williams and DeAndre Washington and the relative value of running back. So I'm not too worried about the Chiefs taking a running back, but hopefully we're right there. Okay. This was awesome. Learned a ton. Scott, thanks so much for doing this, man. Tell the people where they can find you, where they can find you on social, where they can find your work, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you can find me on social media on Twitter at Scott Smith FF, and uh, you know I'll, I'll be dropping my final mock over at the Action Network on Wednesday night, late sometime. And I, I think Evan and I are actually uh, maybe discussing doing another draft pop show late Wednesday night. And look, man, I'm just just interested in getting this draft over with. You know, the COVID nineteen thing's been crazy. This draft's going to be different than anything we've ever seen. And you know, look. I, we get a lot of these mock drafts graded and, and both Evan and I have done pretty well, but I, I am very scared about accuracy standings this year and with uh, just the minimal amount of information and the craziness that's been going on. Yeah. Uh, I find the whole mock draft industry absolutely fascinating. It's amazing that you guys are able to consistently be at the top. Evan, 
I don't know if we're going to do any more shows before the draft. We'll certainly be back right after the draft, talk about some fantasy impact and stuff like that. But enjoy the draft, man, if I don't talk to you. Yeah, man. Sounds great. All right. For Scott. For Evan. For Producer Luke. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.